A substantial number of residents and fellows become parents during their medical training, and they face a range of challenges, from lack of accessible childcare to concern about being seen as less committed to medicine than their colleagues without children. Graduate medical education program directors are often left to navigate obstacles to supporting trainee parents without resources and without established policies. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Deborah Weinstein, Vice President for Graduate Medical Education at Partners Healthcare and a member of the journal's Perspective Advisory Board. Dr. Weinstein has co-authored a perspective article about steps to support trainees with children that could be taken at the national, institutional, and program levels. Dr. Weinstein, what do we know about the proportion of residents and fellows who become parents during their training, and how have those numbers changed over time? What do they look like over time? That's a great question, and unfortunately, we don't have great data on that. In fact, one of the things that we call for in this perspective is more deliberate data collection and sharing so that we can inform institutions in terms of what to expect about the proportion of residents that will have children. Our sense is that that proportion has grown over time, but we don't have good information about the exact numbers. What kinds of policies have training programs traditionally had, if any, regarding parental leave and other parenting issues? Well, it's changed a lot over the last few decades. I would say back in the day when I was a resident in the 1980s, most programs did not have explicit policies allowing for parental leave at all. And it was negotiated on an individual level, usually with very little time off. And then parents, particularly women, would come back to work feeling very torn and often being even more sleep-deprived than already as a resident. Over the years since then, increasingly, institutions and programs have tried to be more deliberate in terms of putting together policies. The problem is there's huge variability. Even within some institutions, individual program policies can be vastly different. And then at the national level, the policies put forward by the individual specialty boards continue to be very different about the amount of time that can be taken off from residency without the need to make up time at the end. So looking at that national level, you recommend in your article that GME oversight organizations develop a unified, what you call a 21st century approach to parental leave. What would the key elements of such an approach look like? Well, I think guaranteeing residents a predictable amount of leave and particularly paid leave is important. Many residents are financially stressed to the point where they cannot afford to take time off from work and live without a salary for a period of time. So having the Family Medical Leave Act is good. It's a start, but having paid leave is very important. We're obviously in the U.S. well behind Europe and the Scandinavian countries in terms of our leave policies, but for this population that have a number of major stressors at play, I think it's important that we focus on it and we do the right thing. The national specialty boards have policies requiring various amounts of time be made up before an individual is allowed to graduate from residency. It doesn't seem to make sense currently because there's increasing focus on competency-based medical education and competency-based completion. That could be time-variable completion of GME. And in fact, in Canada, they've made a commitment across specialties to move toward competency-based time-variable GME. There's a pilot in the U.S. in pediatrics looking at that, and we're about to start another pilot across specialties 
evaluating the possibility of time variable GME at partners. That's a perfect setting to think about parental leave where individuals may miss out on some weeks or some months of the usual standard duration of training. But if they've got all the skills they need in a few weeks or months less time, I truly believe they should be able to graduate on the okay of their program director without the sacrifice of perhaps missing a fellowship opportunity that normally starts on a July 1 date. So looking at it from the point of view of the training program, how can programs prepare for and manage the kinds of staffing challenges that they're going to face if residents have longer paid parental leaves, more frequent parental leaves? Staffing challenges are key. I'm convinced that everybody involved in graduate medical education is really trying to do the right thing. And program directors, for the most part, would love to be able to provide ample parental leave for their residents. But staffing comes into play because hospitals rely so heavily on residents to complete patient care responsibilities. And when residents are gone for long periods of time, we don't have access to other means of covering patients. If we had better data that would allow us to predict the average number of residents that will be out on any kind of leave in a given year, we could staff up, we could have some planned redundancy, or we could allocate funding for other kinds of coverage, alternative providers, moonlighting residents, fellows, or faculty, or other ways of covering those gaps. You talked earlier about the challenge that a trainee with children faces in terms of sleep deprivation. In your article, you also talk about perhaps limiting career options by taking leave, dumping work on colleagues, and the problems that would cause. What kinds of steps can be taken to address not only the logistic problems that we've been talking about, but also these sort of cultural challenges? The cultural challenges that you mentioned are probably among the hardest challenges. And they vary somewhat by specialty and somewhat by program or hospital. This has been written about recently, particularly in surgical programs where coverage is difficult and residents feel disparaged by their colleagues if they take a full leave as much as they're entitled to. One thing we can do is have standard policies so that everyone acknowledges that this is a benefit that everyone is deserving of and nobody has negotiated a special deal and the hospitals are committed to making this work. That probably isn't the whole story, though. I think the faculty have to realize that what we experienced decades ago as residents wasn't appropriate or certainly isn't appropriate for today's context. And so we have to think about what's best for the residents today and make that accepted and help them enjoy these wonderful transitions that they're experiencing. Finally, given all the competing pressures that program directors face, the limited resources they have to deploy, why do you think they should prioritize this particular issue? There are indeed limited resources, both at the program level and at the institutional level. And I think that the issue of family leave shouldn't be the program director's personal obligation to solve. I think this should be at the institutional level. It should be seen as a core responsibility and a core benefit that these residents are entitled to so that the funding comes from the institution. And at a time when teaching hospitals are under enormous financial pressure, it would be very hard to think of this as an optional add-on at a big cost. And maybe we can put it off for a few years. It's not as urgent as many of the patient care expenses that we're encountering. 
But I think rather we have to incorporate this as the part of the overall cost of fulfilling our mission. It's not an optional add-on, and it has to be figured into the bottom line and not layered on to an individual program's budget. Thank you, Dr. Weinstein.